0: We would not allow fear of po- or politics to harm our kids. We were right, and they were wrong. And millions of families in Florida are better for it. And tens of thousands of families in Florida are mourning their loved ones because of it. Well done, Ron well, Santos. I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in I fall off my chair the Clowns to the left me. Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is The Bradcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN And Eureka's KGOE up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, and Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burton Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites except for Spotify. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Yes, we meet again. Thanks for joining us on the broadcast. Uh, as as regular listeners know, we were off last week, and it was delightful <laughs> for a much much needed spring break of sorts. So we hadn't hadn't been into the uh, into the station KPFK, our flagship station here in Los Angeles, uh, over the past week. And when we showed up yesterday, the receptionist asked me, interestingly enough, uh, why I was wearing a mask, Desi Doyen.
1: Yeah. That was interesting.
0: I I didn't have time to answer uh, before she said, oh, yeah, that's right. You guys were you were on the road last week, which was true. She as she presumed I was out and about, I guess, mixing with a lot of, you know, a lot more unknown people than usual. That that is also true. I was. Uh, And as usual, of course, I was running late for that day's show and I didn't have time to (laughs) chit chat. So I just generally agreed with her as to that explanation for wearing a mask when I went into the station. And later after the show, I was then able to go back and tell her actually one of the other reasons that I was, yes, still wearing a mask was because the rate of infection... Uh, for COVID has actually been doubling very quickly in recent weeks, including here in Los Angeles, which is actually the real reason why I was wearing my mask, why, I w- why I'm still wearing my mask when I go indoors uh, where there are other people. Uh, now, thankfully, the rate of infection is still pretty low. But yeah, it's on the rise again and it is rising quite quickly, in fact, under the new even more transmissible sub-variant of the already more transmissible Omicron variant known as BA.2. And now we have a sub-sub-variant of sorts called BA2.12.1, which is even more transmissible than all of the above. As Reuters reported on new CDC data published last week, the BA2 subvariant of Omicron and its sublineage BA2.12.1 is estimated to make up more than 90% of the coronavirus variants in the US as of April 16 according to the US CDC How on How much? uh ni- more, more than 90% wow. of the variants That's in fast. the US. That's that. That according to the CDC uh, last week. Overall, cases have dropped sharply nationally since hitting record levels in January. But COVID-19 infections have been on the rise during the last few weeks, particularly in northeast states like New York and Connecticut. But yes, also out here in California, a resurgence in COVID-19 cases in parts of Asia and Europe, resulting in widespread shutdowns, particularly in Asia. Yes, they are back to lockdowns again in Shanghai and elsewhere, has raised concerns that another wave could follow in the U.S., as has been the case with previous surges during the pandemic. And because my lot in life seems to be that I am often forced to be the bearer of bad news, (laughs) or at least potential bad news, so you can actually do something about it before it becomes bad for you personally, Uh, National Geographic offers an excellent up-to-date primer on what we know about the BA2 Omicron sub-variant driving a new COVID-19 wave. Now, don't worry, I'm not doing this to bum you out, but for a reason here. As Nat Geo reported yesterday, in part, after a brief two-month plateau, COVID-19 cases are rising again in the U.S., propelled by the Omicron BA2 sub-variant. and its more transmissible descendants. The uptick has experts worried as more people are shedding their masks and returning to pre-pandemic activities. Between April 1 and April 24, new COVID-19 cases have jumped by, get this, 75% mostly due to BA.2 and its various sublineages, which uh, now account for almost 75% of COVID-19 cases in the U.S. While hospitalizations are still, happily, at their lowest level since the start of the pandemic, they are also trending upward nationally. And COVID-19 cases among nursing home residents and staff are rising again after falling for roughly three months. Told you I was the bearer of bad news here. Uh, ongoing transmissions of BA2 is probably related to related both to the increased transmissibility of the virus together with the reduction of pandemic restrictions. According to Dan Baruch, an immunologist at Harvard Medical School, both are contributing to the current surge, he says. At the same time, national vaccination rates have stalled out only 45, just over 456 of the U.S. population has received a booster dose and in at least 10 states, mostly in the south, m- more than a third of the population remains unvaccinated. This is especially troubling, they note, because early data suggests BA2 and its sublineages may cause more severe disease than the original form of Omicron the first omicron wave arrived when many people in the US were already vaccinated so it seemed to cause less severe illness and it got the reputation of being mild according to Ben colleague I'm sorry Kau-Ling, an epidemiologist at the University of Hong Kong but mild was only relative to the very severe disease that previously dominant delta variant had caused For example, Melinda Maldonado, a communications strategist in Toronto, was triple vaccinated when she got a breakthrough infection back in December of last year. During the peak of the Omicron wave in Canada, it left her bedridden for weeks. And three months later, she still suffers with debilitating fatigue, brain fog, which I have anyway, and cognitive disorientation. She says when people say mild, they mean you're not dying like you don't end up in the ICU. For me, she said, this was not mild. Now, evidence is building that the BA2 subvariant is even more infectious than the first form of Omicron, produces more virus particles upon infection and causes longer lasting cases of COVID-19. Studies have shown that the overall risk of severe outcomes from an Omicron infection was lower than it was for Delta. But the risk of hospitalization among children younger than 10 did not significantly differ between Omicron and Delta. And Omicron infections led to a rise in hospital admissions of very young children. Mm. Now, I say that uh, just as uh, as we were starting the show here today, breaking news from CNN. Pfizer-BioNTech requests FDA emergency youth authorization for booster dose of uh, COVID-19 vaccine for children ages 5 through 11. Uh, while older people have been able to get access to booster doses uh, up until now, younger kids have not been able to. Pfizer is now requesting that emergency authorization from FDA. As of today, I expect that will probably uh, come soon, within the next few days. A recent study in JAMA uh, Pediatrics, uh, Journal uh, of 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 American American Medical Medical Association. Association, JAMA Pediatrics finds that children... In children, Omicron, beginning with the initial BA.1 variant, caused three times as many hospitalizations for respiratory infections compared with prior variants. Now, it seems BA.2 may be even more worrisome. In the U.K., the number of cases being recorded during the BA.2 surge is much lower than they saw during the Omicron wave in late December of 2021. But the number of hospitalizations is almost equal.
1: Mm, really?
0: Again, this is coming from Nat, uh, National Geographic uh, on Monday, Monday of this week. So this is new stuff. I know it's not getting talked about a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a war in Europe. There's all kinds of you know inflation problems and politics and everything else. We'll get to some of that in a bit. But, yeah, this is very much still going on. Another study by Cowling and his team... Uh, at the University of Hong Kong found the severity of BA2 infection is as bad as it was for the original Omicron variant for unvaccinated people of any age. So if you ain't vaccinated, A, I'm not sure what you're thinking. Uh, But B, uh, yeah, when you're hearing reports, oh, Omicron is more mild, mild is obviously, you know, (laughs) means you're not hospitalized. It doesn't actually mean it's mild necessarily. But if you're not vaccinated, all bets are off for all of this. Cowling says in Hong Kong and right now in Shanghai, I don't think BA2 is as mild as maybe people thought. Available data data shows that the currently approved vaccines will prevent severe infection and hospitalization. Again, mild infection being a relative term to basically say you were not hospitalized or killed. But the uh, currently approved vaccines will prevent severe infection from COVID-19 via the various, including the various uh, sub-variants. Booster doses are also showing a lot of promise at protecting people from all forms of Omicron. Various Mm -hmm. studies have shown that a third dose of a vaccine or a breakthrough infection, I'd recommend the vaccine rather than the infection, but that's just me, (laughs) that that can rekindle the immunity system's memory to produce antibodies that work well against all variants, including Omicron. Meanwhile, BA 2.12.1 is spreading even more rapidly than all previous sub variants, causing 20% of all cases in the US. That's this sub lineage. Uh, and that's the one that is growing really quickly and doubling like week after week after just being discovered, by the way, in early March. Earlier estimates showed show that uh, BA 2.12.1 spreads faster than the earlier strains, could be better at dodging the immune system's antibodies. This all means the U.S., quote, needs to recharge its vaccination program, unquote, to avoid a likely surge in the fall and winter, according to Syed Omer, an epidemiologist at uh, the Yale Institute for Global Health. And now sort of back to the original point of all of this. As Nat Geo notes, in addition to vaccines, masks have been shown to be effective in limiting the risk of COVID-19, both by reducing the spread of viral materials from an infected person and by reducing the chances of getting an infection. And avoiding an infection really should be the goal. According to experts, the after effects of COVID-19, including the array of symptoms collectively known as long COVID, they warn, can be debilitating. Maldonado, she was the one who was knocked out for weeks with her so-called mild infection, said, quote, I thought if I got COVID, it would be the sniffles because that's the predominant narrative. I want people to consider the risk when they think about things opening and not using a mask because you don't know if it could be you. Now, I know I, I, I can hear people turning off their radio already. <laughs> I, I know everyone is just sick to death of covid. Uh, No pun intended, even though, yes, it has killed nearly one million Americans over the past two and a half years. And I realize there has been a lot of sort of peer pressure of late against wearing masks. There's even been a huge uptick, as I've noticed. Uh, All you have to do is, you know, watch one episode, frankly, of Real Time with Bill Maher these days to get this false narrative to notice it yourself in the idea that, oh, you know what, the CDC, as it turns out, the CDC was all wrong about COVID all along. They were wrong about COVID and about mask wearing. It did nothing, but now we know the truth. That, in a word that I can fully say on FCC radio, is BS. But I've seen a lot of this of late. Yes. Uh, I, you know, it, once a hot, and, and and it's not just with COVID. It seems like once a hot controversy sort of begins to die down a bit after years of public debate and dispute, that the folks who were always on the wrong side of the equation end up declaring some sort of victory, pulling it out of their rear ends if they have to, but that's what they're doing. You know, oh, those, those of us who said COVID was, was nothing to worry about, turns out we were finally proven right. We were right all along. Those of us who called the Democrats' so-called Russiagate conspiracy out as a hoax, we were finally proven right. We were right all along. Well, wrong and wrong on both of those scores. And just because there's not a lot of people out there replying to your BS now does not make you more right. There's just not as many of us pushing back on those lies anymore, unfortunately, so those lies can begin to take hold. Yes, by the way, Russia worked very hard to help Donald Trump get elected in 2016. And no, the CDC was not wrong about their advice for things like masking, etc., even though they made various missteps along the way uh, and adjusted as we all learned what the virus did and did not do. Yes, the CDC did not know off the bat everything you needed to do to protect yourself uh, from the virus, everything you needed to do, nor everything you didn't need to do because we didn't know how the virus operated when it began. And no, the CDC has not admitted that they got it all wrong. And Anthony Fauci has not been discredited, even though opportunists who had it wrong, who actually did have it wrong the whole time, are now taking advantage of this lull in the pushback to sort of claim otherwise. And no, the so-called red state response from folks like Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis who's using this vacuum of discussion to claim that Florida had it right all along by refusing to institute mask mandates or shut down schools. No, he was not right all along. Here's DeSantis at the beginning of this year, during his State of the State address in Florida. And we faced opposition from hysterical media, from unions and the politicians they control. We even face lawsuits aiming to close the schools, but we would not allow fear of po- or politics to harm our kids. We were right, and they were wrong, and millions of families in Florida are better for it. No, actually, as it turns out, uh, you were not right. Ah, uh, they were not wrong, and as I said at the top of the show, there are now tens of thousands of families who are mourning their lost loved ones in the state of Florida because you were so wrong, Ron DeSantis. Now, elsewhere in the uh, in the speech, uh, he also as you noticed uh, in the transcript, <laughs> yes. what what did he say in the transcript? Um, he he
1: uh, mistook the word yolk and said instead yolk, as did, in an egg. Do you
0: have it there? Yes. And we will protect the rights of individuals to live their lives free from the yolk of restrictions <laughs> and mandates. Oh.
1: Free from Big Egg.
0: Yeah, really. There you go. boy. And it's
1: actually in the transcript from the governor's office. They meant to say that.
0: They, they wrote it that way. They wrote it the that yolk way. The yoke of government <laughs> mandates. Well, Florida and DeSantis certainly do have egg on their face today, don't they? <laughs> anyway... Uh, Florida and DeSantis did not have it right all along, not by a long shot, no matter how many times they say that over and over again. And there's nobody there for whatever reason to respond to them. You know, unless you consider killing many of his own residents. Many more of his own residents than in blue states with real public health uh, measures in place, unless you consider that to be, you know, having it right all along. Some new numbers came out from the CDC at the end of March. I had hoped to cover it at the time, and I never had uh, been able to get to them with so much else going on um, uh, on the show since then. I I wanted to get I want to get to them now because this lie continues and it continues uh, to grow of late And yet these are still lies and they are still deadly and they are being used to intimidate folks like you and me, I believe, into unnecessarily endangering ourselves now with this peer pressure of a sort to stop wearing masks, even if you want to. Or to not get vaccinated or boosted, even if you should. And I suspect this will become even more important once folks like Ron DeSantis officially declare their run for president in 2024, as he's clearly preparing to do and trying to create this false narrative under which to do it. And yes, by the way, he will be a much more dangerous version of Donald Trump in, in such a case if he declares his candidacy for president, which he obviously is doing because he is much better at telling lies than Donald Trump is. For example, the lie that Florida had it right all along. In fact, COVID, as it turns out, is killing more people per 100,000 in red states than it is in blue states, according to these uh, new numbers that were reported by Axios at the end of March. I know that's hardly shocking, but because it would be really nice if we took action to to stop it from killing anybody at this point, no matter what state you're in. Given all of the pharmaceuticals and public policy that we now have to prevent these deaths, it would be nice if we could try to save a few more lives everywhere and anywhere since hundreds of Americans, hundreds of them are still unnecessarily dying each and every day in this country from COVID, no matter how little we are talking about it. But the main point of Axios' reporting here is that it includes still more evidence that, as uh, Virginia Commonwealth University professor Stephen Wolf uh, recently argued in the Journal of uh, of the American Medical Association, quote, the COVID-19 pandemic removed any doubt that state policies affect health outcomes. The partisan gap measured by deaths above what would normally be expected uh, was particularly stark during last year's Delta wave, when all adults had access by then to vaccines. But stark differences emerged between Democrats and Republicans' vaccination rates, and in particular, in states where Republican leadership was terrible and dangerous, such as that in Florida, from Governor Ron DeSantis. As Axios Tampa, uh, Axios Tampa Bay notes, they found. According to new data from the CDC, uh, as of last month, uh, that at least 73,000 Floridians have died from COVID-19. 73,000. But death rates in states like Florida under DeSantis and in Georgia under Republican Governor Brian Kemp saw more than 200 deaths per 100,000. That is much Much higher than in states with largely vaccinated populations, like in New York, where 112 died per 100,000. So in
1: other words, in Florida and Georgia, almost double the number of deaths per 100,000 people.
0: Compared to New York, compared to New Jersey, they had just 73 deaths per 100,000. Massachusetts, 50 deaths per 100,000. Wow. But in Florida and in Georgia, more than 200 deaths per 100,000. So uh, they were right and we were wrong. Really, Governor? Between August and December of last year, this was long after vaccines were widely available to all for free. Florida experienced more than triple the number of excess deaths than New York did. 29,252 in Florida versus 8,786 in New York despite both states having similar population counts does that sound like Florida and Ron De- uh, DeSantis had it right all along with their lax policy and policies and their rest- restrictions on mask mandates and their refusal to close schools etc Sure, the schools stayed open, and yeah, three times as many Floridians died as compared to New York with similar populations. Well done, Governor. The virus has proven itself to be exhaustingly unpredictable in many ways over the last two years, Axios notes. But after two full years of this madness, there is no doubt that tools like high quality masks and vaccines reduce the risk of catching the virus and, in the case of vaccines, of dying from the virus. That means it's not surprising that once these tools were widely available, states with political and, cult and cultural aversions to using them were hit harder, much harder, no matter how many of them are trying to rewrite that history now when they're running for president. And with two years of data now in, it's clear Axios notes that America's political divisions are now on display in mortality rates around the country, which, of course, is why it's so important to make sure that those who want to in those states can actually vote those people out of office, as we so often discuss and work towards on this show. Of course, to know which ones to vote out, you actually have to know which ones are succeeding and which ones are failing, no matter how much they are lying to you. But also, I want at least my listeners to know that if you want to wear a mask indoors, even now, please do so. Do not be intimidated by others to to not do so, even though, you know, everyone's doing a peer pressure is a real thing. I know we're all sick and tired of this COVID stuff. I get it. And if you don't want to mask up, well, you know what? Feel free to not do so. But if you want to, if you'll feel more safe in doing so, please do not let folks intimidate you. Well, Nobody's wearing masks anymore. What are you doing with your mask on? I don't believe that the receptionist at KPFK uh, who asked me why I was wearing them, why are you wearing a mask? I don't I don't think she was hoping to intimidate me in any way. But I, I think that she has been sort of misinformed. She didn't understand that. Yes, this thing, while thankfully in a lull, this thing is still going. And that, yes, it is still perfectly reasonable to mask up when you're in public spaces with a lot of people, particularly indoors. And yes, that is true, even if you are vaccinated and double boosted like, yes, the vice president of the United States. Kamala Harris tested positive for COVID-19 on Tuesday. According to the White House, underscoring the persistence of the highly contagious virus, even as the U.S. eases restrictions in a bid to return to pre-pandemic normalcy. AP is reporting this afternoon that Harris Press Secretary Kirsten Allen said neither President Joe Biden nor First Lady Jill Biden was considered a close contact of Harris in recent days. Harris had been scheduled to attend Biden's Tuesday morning presidential daily brief, but was not present. The White House said because of their uh, travel schedules, the last time Harris saw Biden was Monday, April 18. The vice president returned uh, to D.C. on Monday from a week-long trip to the West Coast. I guess we gave her a little souvenir to take back to D.C. with her. You're welcome, Kamala. Uh, Harris tested positive both on uh, the rapid test and the PCR test, but the White House says, quote, she has exhibited no symptoms. She will isolate at her residence but continue to work remotely and will return to the White House only when she tests negative for the virus. Harris, uh, who's 57 years old, received her first dose of the Moderna Vaccine weeks before taking office and a second dose just days after her inauguration in 2021. She received a booster shot in late October and an additional booster on April 1. Fully vaccinated and boosted, people have a high degree of protection against serious illness and death from COVID-19, particularly from the most common and highly transmissible Omicron variants. Notes AP Harris's diagnosis comes a month after her husband, Doug Emhoff, recovered from the virus as a wave of cases of the highly transmissible Omicron subvariance has spread through Washington's political class, infecting cabinet members, White House staffers, lawmakers, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon tested positive on Tuesday as well, according to his office. Allen said Harris would uh, follow CDC guidelines and the advice of her physician. What? The CDC? I thought they were totally discredited on COVID. That's what Bill Maher told me. (sighs) After more than uh, two years and nearly a million deaths in the U.S., the virus is still killing more than 300 people every day in the U.S. According to the CDC, the unvaccinated are still at far greater risk, more than twice as likely to test positive, and get this, the unvaccinated are nine times as likely to die from the virus as those who have received at least a primary dose of the vaccines. Harris's diagnosis uh, comes as the Biden administration is taking steps to expand availability of the life-saving antiviral treatment Paxlovid, reassuring doctors that there is now ample supply for people at high risk of severe illness or death from the virus. And uh, though, uh, but here's, I guess, a big but, I, I don't have time to discuss this today, but there are some concerns now emerging about Paxlovid. Uh, that's the pill that you take after you realize you are infected. Right. that's supposed the, to knock it out.
1: The antiviral pill that you're supposed to take uh, fairly quickly after getting mm-hmm. a positive diagnosis.
0: Within like a th- three or five days or something like right. that. There's now an, apparently an ample supply, but many doctors are not prescribing it unless a patient actually knows to ask for it. So now you know if you get sick and you're in a in a high risk group, uh, feel free to ask for ask your doctor about Paxlovid. <laughs> But there is some preliminary data finding that while it seems to do a good job of alleviating symptoms and helping folks uh, get back to a negative uh, test result after the five day course of taking the pill, some are finding themselves actually reinfected just days later. Really? Yeah, and it's unclear why and if it's because maybe the five day treatment is not long enough. But I'll have to save that concern for another day. In any event, it's better to not get COVID than to rely on a new antiviral treatment after you have been infected, even though it's nice to have that as an option. It is when it's taken within five days of symptoms appearing. It's been proven to bring about a 90 percent reduction in hospitalization and death among patients most likely to get severe disease, at least according to Pfizer's initial studies on the pills. But again, point is do not be cowed. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Get vaccinated or boosted. And yes, wear your mask anywhere and anytime you damn well please. Be a leader on this. Do not be a follower on this. I am counting on you on this. Bradcast listeners must save the world. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) All right. Uh, Speaking of saving the world, let's take a break here and we will talk about... Well, exactly that, in in one form or another. We'll find out right after this. I'm Brad. You're listening to the Bradcast.
1: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Zippity-doo-da, Zip.
0: zippity eh, mister bluebird on my shoulder. Yeah. It's the truth uh-huh. it's actual uh-huh. everything is satisfactual zippity-doo. Sing it bang. Uh yeah, let's yeah. see. Wonderful feeling, yes. Holiday. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that little blue bird, shall we? The blue bird of happiness? No, the blue bird of Twitter, which is sort of the opposite, really, if you think <laughs> about it, of the blue bird of happiness these days, Especially unfortunately. Especially in practice, yes. Yep. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast, Brant Friedman of Brandblog.com. We've got a jam-packed green news report uh, coming up shortly with Desi Doyen, sort of trying to shove everything that happened while we were out last week, Uh, into her latest six-minute report.
1: Yeah, I didn't get to everything.
0: (laughs) With me heckling her, as usual. So wish her luck there. But one story we we had to cut out uh, from uh, today's GNR because it was a bit too complicated, I thought, to fit in with everything else, uh, is this from Earth Day last week. Twitter Says it will no longer adverti- allow advertisers on its site who deny the scientific consensus on climate change, echoing a policy already in place, at least supposedly, at Google. Ads shouldn't detract from important conversations about the climate crisis, the company said in a statement outlining its new policy. Last Friday, as AP reported at the time, there was no indication that the change would affect what users post on the social media site. So this affects advertisements, paid ads only, not what you or I can actually say or what the, uh, you know, the fakers who work for the oil companies can go out there and say. So uh, that's not going to change what users post, uh, which along with uh, Facebook Twitter has been uh, targeted by groups seeking to promote misleading claims about climate change. The announcement coinciding with Earth Day last week came hours before the European Union agreed upon a deal requiring big tech companies to vet their sites more closely for hate speech, disinformation and other harmful uh, content. Elon Musk is not going to like that at all, but we will get to him in a second. We believe that climate denialism should should not be monetized on Twitter, their blog post read.
1: Took them long enough. But and, yeah.
0: Right. And that uh, misrepresentative ads shouldn't detract from important conversation about the climate crisis, they said in that blog post. Its decisions about what's legit content in regard to climate change will be guided by, quote, authoritative sources, they say, including the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, which has published several landmark reports on the crisis over the past few months that break down what needs to be done to adapt. To the changes that are already unfolding, as well as how to avert even more severe consequences in the future, like intensifying weather disasters and ferocious wildfire seasons, which, according to Desi's GNR today, if I recall, is already underway out here in the West several months early. Yeah. Yay, us. (laughs) Talk about sustainability on the platform, uh, notes The Verge, has grown. And I think this is good. I think this is good news. Talk about sustainability has grown by over 150% since 2021, for some reason. Twitter, uh, according to Twitter, discussions about decarbonization a.k.a. getting rid of greenhouse uh, gas emissions that come from burning fossil fuels. Those conversations are up 50 percent on Twitter. Also good news. Other environmental conversations are heating up as well. Oh, I see what they did there. They're heating up (laughs) as well. According to The Verge, chatter about reducing waste grew by more than 100 percent over the same period. Twitter's new announcement is also part of a broader social media saga to stop lies about climate change. Other companies, The Verge notes, have made similar commitments, if with varying success. Google Made a commitment in October of 21 to stop allowing ads that feature climate denial or that monetize climate misinformation. Very thoughtful of them. Nonetheless, a report published soon after the new policy went into effect found that Google was still placing ads on climate denying content. Google told The Verge at the time that it reviewed the content and decided to take, quote, appropriate enforcement actions. Actually, it sounds like it was The Verge that was taking the appropriate enforcement actions. Thank you, The Verge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing the research to prove that it wasn't working.
0: Facebook also Facebook has also come under fire for failing to label climate misinformation despite its policies on flagging such content. Another report about the platform published last November also found a sharp rise in interactions with posts from Facebook pages and groups that are focused on spreading climate misinformation. But back to Twitter here. This news was from last week that Twitter will now ban climate denying ads. And it comes just before the announcement on Monday that billionaire Elon Musk, the world's richest man, proving yet again that taxes are not nearly high enough on the wealthy. Elon Musk is purchasing Twitter for $44 billion and will be taking it private. You might have heard that news. He's going to do with one of the world's largest uh, social media platforms, frankly, whatever he wants, as it becomes a private company. He'll be able to do anything he wants. Now, $44 billion is a lot of money, a lot of money that apparently Elon Musk apparently has just sitting around waiting to be spent on something. And to put that in perspective, $44 billion, as I think actually Rachel Maddow uh, smartly did in her coverage of this on Monday night, the entirety of the federal government's investment into a massive new nationwide electrical vehicle charging network infrastructure. Yes, in fact, to help Elon's Tesla's uh, Tesla automobile electric vehicles charge up around the country. As part of the landmark infrastructure bill passed last year, the federal government will be spending just $7.5 billion. Now, that's actually a whole lot of money, at least by U.S. government standards for this sort of thing. But Elon Musk is spending $44 billion to buy a website. That's almost seven times the amount that is being spent by the entire U.S. government to help kickstart electric vehicles across the entire country to help save the entire planet. So, yeah, taxes are way too low for people like Elon Musk. And, yeah, the federal government is not spending nearly enough to meet the climate crisis that we are facing. I also noted uh, recently, you may recall, a month or two ago when discussing Spotify spending some $200 million on some guy to host a podcast, Joe Rogan, to lie to people about COVID. Yeah, if they got $200 million to spend on that one guy for a podcast, corporate taxes are also way too low. How much extra money do you have lying around in any event As AP reported on Monday, the outspoken Tesla CEO has said he uh, wanted to own and privatize Twitter because he thinks it's not living up to its potential as a platform for free speech. Free speech, he said, is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated, he said, adding hearts and stars and rocket emojis, as serious people do. In a tweet that highlighted uh, that statement, a more hands off approach to content moderation has many people concerned. The platform will become more of a haven for disinformation and hate speech, something that it has worked hard uh, in recent years to try and mitigate. For example, just one example, when it finally permanently banned Donald Trump after he used Twitter to help incite a deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol. When he was trying to steal the 2020 election, Musk has described himself as a quote free speech absolutist, but is also known for blocking or disparaging other Twitter users who question or disagree with them. He's also known uh, for uh, firing uh, his own employees if they speak out, forcing them to sign non-disclosure agreements, keeping them, preventing them from uh, posting videos. Using, uh, you know, certain uh, features of uh, self-driving features of <laughs> Tesla. He's fired them for that.
1: He's cut their Teslas off from the updates that can be. Is that, that right? Suppo- yes, yeah. he has done so. He's also, remember that time that uh, he used Twitter to accuse that rescuer who was going, yes, trying to rescue yes. children who were trapped in a cave. Called him a
0: pedophile. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of free speech he's in favor of, I guess.
1: That's the public square that uh, Elon Musk wants to buy. Yep.
0: So anyway, he's, he he's, you know, blocks people on Twitter. He disparages them. Now, disparaging, of, of course, is, is also free speech. Uh, I'm not sure where blocking people uh, falls on that spectrum. So now how does a free speech absolutist, as he calls himself, who happens to also own a company which has almost single handedly, I think it's fair to say, created the electric vehicle revolution across the planet, in order to help, as he has long claimed, to save the planet. How does he now deal with these two conflicting points? His company uh, says they will uh, disallow climate disinformation, at least in advertisements. Does he allow dangerous lies now about the climate, which the company he just bought has already said they plan to ban? Or does he go all in for free speech and allow climate deniers to further destroy the planet that he has claimed he was hoping to save, at least uh, before he ended up, you know, sort of exposing himself as kind of a right winger these days uh, with his move of Tesla's headquarters from California to Texas? How does he square that circle, Desi Doyen?
1: I have no idea. I mean, I would hope that he would stick with the uh, very specific tools that the experts at Twitter have spent years developing in order to prevent misinformation and disinformation from uh, from spreading across their platform to keep the place from turning into a cesspool of, of attacks on women and people of color. I mean, they well, have apparently, the tools.
0: Apparently he's unhappy with the job that they have done because oh, that's why he b- bought the thing, there, you know, to, to change the way the whole thing is run. So. Yeah, he's
1: never run a global social media company before but he is sure that he knows better how to do it than the people who have done it i mean how how much how typical white guy billionaire act is that
0: (laughs) Well, I, and I yeah, I really don't think he's thought this through.
1: No, I, I definitely uh, think he has not thought this through. And I just want to add, yeah. you know, there's a couple of concerns about this, yeah. you know, because for like specifically regarding climate change, Dr. Michael Mann, Penn State University, friend of the show. Um, he says for scientists and activists, Twitter has been long been a place for sharing research mm-hmm. ideas and interacting with journalists mm-hmm. and the public. Yeah. You know, for scientists, it's also helped kindle and sustain the climate activist movement. Mm -hmm. Musk's views on free speech, Michael Mann says, and to a lesser extent, climate science and solutions may help determine if climate researchers and activists disband these communities that Mm -hmm. they have spent so much time and effort Mm -hmm. in creating. The second concern is that... uh, Data, people who use Twitter, they have things mm-hmm. called, you know, direct messages where you send things privately to yep. other users. Yep. All of that, once Elon Musk takes it private, all mm-hmm. of that will be in his hands to release, control, do whatever he wills with. Legally, and that, he can legally. do whatever he wants And that can be a very dangerous from yeah. a, for, for journalists who have used it to connect with sources mm-hmm. and uh, people who are anonymous in vulnerable communities whose uh, personal information might be exposed because Elon feels like it.
0: You know, it's been interesting. Obviously, there's been a whole lot of talk since uh, he announced that he was buying Twitter. So, you know, plenty of people are covering this. But I am interested in that one aspect. And I know a lot of people are talking about Donald Trump and what, you know, will he come back on Twitter and so forth? Uh, Because, you know, free speech, let everyone say anything they want, let everyone and anyone apparently call someone a pedophile if they want. But uh, so it'll be interesting to watch how he deals with this, how he specifically deals with climate and climate yes. denial, which he has—I don't want to say pretended—he uh, has been critical uh, in 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 moving forward the electric vehicle revolution in this well in this on this planet. I was yeah. going to say in this country, but really across the world. I don't think we would be anywhere near as far along. Down this road, so to speak, were it you. not for him, and that's true. No matter if, uh, if you know lefties who used to love him, now they don't like him because oh, he left California. He said, oh, the the restrictions, the regulations, the. Union rules are too onerous in California. I'm moving to Texas. By the way, I like that. I'm glad that he did that. I know that a lot of people are mad at him for doing that. Yeah,
1: because he doesn't have to pay income tax in Texas. But yes, right. go ahead.
0: But, well, I'm but I'm glad that he did it because we are so sort of tribalized in this country that it has brought a bunch of right-wingers to stand behind Elon Musk, and I am fine with that. I realize that's a cost we all have to pay here, but if the right-wingers who used to despise barrage electric vehicles are now like hey i'm in favor i'm with <laughs> elon on that man i'm going to get me an electric vehicle i'm okay with that i agree with I you on that i think that's too. <laughs> a price w- that i'm happy to pay so if that's what it takes if elon musk is now a right winger
1: and that brings the right wingers on board for you know electric vehicles yeah. for climate action yeah. that i'm okay with that
0: i am okay with that <laughs> I think it's actually a good thing. Musk, by the way, has also discussed in recent weeks shifting away from Twitter's advertising based revenue model. I don't know what he's going to go to. He believes that he can increase revenue through subscriptions that give paying customers better experience, perhaps even an ad free version of Twitter. Well, good luck with that, Elon. I guess you got 44 billion dollars to blow. But if they're going to, uh, you know, a subscription version, that's it. I'm moving to Truth Social, <laughs> Donald Trump's own personal social media outlet. That is such a disaster; even he doesn't use it. So maybe I won't go there. Now what? How can I possibly survive without social media? <laughs> will it soon be time to leave Twitter entirely? Maybe so. Perhaps we will discuss those questions and more in the days ahead. Or perhaps we won't. Quick break and we're back with Desi Doyne in the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Even though it's the same six minutes as always, I feel like it's got so much information in it, we have to hurry to get to it so we finish it in time. So let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report.
1: While we were out... Typically we're talking about this in summer, early fall, even to the middle parts of fall. It's April and we're talking about these wildfires. Dangerously early extreme wildfires erupt in the western U.S., Accountability for investor-owned utilities behaving badly, plus...
0: Our forests are our planet's lungs. They literally are recycling and cycling CO2 out of the atmosphere. That's what they do.
1: Biden administration protects old growth forests, but resumes oil and gas leasing. Well,
0: that's not good. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman.
1: And I'm Desi Doyen.
0: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We can't forget that achieving our ambitious climate goals is going to require nature itself to play a role. That's why today I'm signing an executive order. To tell nature to knock it off, Jack. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Tessie Dorian, we've been out for a week for spring break. I'm sure nothing at all happened. <laughs> what do you have to catch us up today?
1: Well, while we were out, the National Weather Service warned that the western half of the United States is already seeing a dangerously early extreme wildfire season. Unseasonably warm, dry weather, high winds, and an historic mega drought in the west are fueling dozens of deadly, destructive wildfires from Arizona to Nebraska. That'll
0: teach those losers in the West, Wait a minute, we're in the West.
1: The most severe fire outbreak is in New Mexico, where Democratic Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham issued emergency declarations after wildfires broke out in nearly half of the state's drought-stricken counties. Mm. In Arizona, Republican Governor Doug Ducey warned residents to be extra vigilant.
0: This is the earliest and most intense start to fire season that we've had.
1: In California, investor-owned electric utility giant Pacific Gas and Electric will pay $55 million to avoid criminal charges over the Kincaid and Dixie fires, both which were ignited by PG&E's decrepit aging equipment, and the company says it will vastly expand its fire safety crews.
0: $55 million? Yes. That's it?
1: According to San Jose Mercury News, the $55 million fine is only a bit more than the CEO's salary for last year.
0: Exactly. Pocket change. And how many people did they kill?
1: Also in California, utility giant SoCal Gas will pay a nearly $10 million fine after state regulators caught the investor-owned company illegally using ratepayer money to fund AstroTurf front groups that lobbied against electrifying buildings. Oh
0: boy, $10 million.
1: Similar schemes to obstruct the shift away from natural gas have been exposed in nearly two dozen states. In the nation's capital, a tragedy, a man who who had set himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court building on Earth Day to protest U.S. failure to act on climate change, has died. His friends said that the oil companies that are causing climate change are the real radicals.
0: And they are.
1: Massive Earth Day marches in D.C. also protested the government's slow pace of climate action. Congress is now back from recess, and congressional Democrats are again trying to craft a budget reconciliation package with climate and clean energy funding that can get the critical vote of obstructionist coal baron, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. I'm
0: sure that'll be no problem at all.
1: The Biden Interior Department says that it will resume required lease sales for onshore oil and gas extraction on public lands, but that it will slash the amount of land available by 80 percent and will increase royalty rates, the first time in history that the federal government has ever increased what companies pay to extract publicly owned oil and gas. Biden also reversed a Trump-era rollback to restore environmental safeguards to the bedrock National Environmental Policy Act. Major infrastructure projects like highways, pipelines and oil wells will again be required to undergo rigorous environmental review that must also factor in a project's impact on climate change and on local communities.
0: And that is really good news at least until donald trump becomes president again and rolls it all back
1: on earth day in seattle president biden signed an executive order creating a program to protect old growth forests containing the nation's biggest and oldest trees because they're critical to absorbing humanity's carbon emissions however his order stops short of a total ban on logging old growth forests biden acknowledged the difficulty of enacting climate legislation in the evenly divided congress but offered some hope
0: in order to help bring more of those nature-based solutions into our planet. We have to move quickly. And with this executive order on Earth Day, we're also showing this moment of maximum threat and urgency can also be a moment of enormous hope. Well, I hope nobody notices the fact that he just opened up a whole bunch of federal lands to oil and gas leases again. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we didn't have time for today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And
1: I'm Desi Doyen.
0: And this has been your While We Were Out Spring Break 22 Green News Report. Boy, have mercy on me, springtime. Oh, have mercy on us all. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Uh, a very quick story on our way out here that we came in after our Green News report was laid down. Officials in Poland and Bulgaria now say that Russia is suspending their country's national natural gas deliveries. Starting on Wednesday... That'll be interesting. The governments of the two European countries said Tuesday that Russian energy giant Gazprom informed them that it was halting gas supplies. Bulgaria is going to have to work. It gets 90 percent of its gas from Russia. Poland, on the other hand, says they have been preparing for this for a long time and promised there will be no shortage of gas in Polish homes uh, this fall.
1: Petrostate dictator using energy as a weapon again.
0: Well said. We got to get out. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. We are on your public airwaves. Thanks only to you, at least those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay here uh, day after day. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And until I quit, you can find me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at TheBradBlog. See you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
1: Boy, have mercy, on me. Boy, have mercy on me.